We want to welcome you this morning to Found Life Church. How many of you are excited to be in church this morning? Hey, man, we're excited to be in God's house, man. You wake up and it just feels good and you go to church and, man, you just feel better. Amen. That's how it should be. And I just want to thank you for being here. If you're here for the very first time, man, thank you so much for being here. You are our welcome and honored guest this morning. If you need anything, you let one of our dream teamers know, and they are at your beck and call this morning. Amen. And uh, just want to remind you that you still have an opportunity to get involved in small groups. Man, we had an awesome small group uh, this past week. Uh, you know, our small group, me and Jessica lead a small group. Man, we just had a blast uh, talking and getting to know one another. And, and it was just funny because somehow the, the stories all ended up telling embarrassing stories about how I have uh, embarrassed myself over the years in tripping and falling and hitting and, and doing certain things. I did not realize that I was klutzy until we started telling stories. Amen. Anybody else like that? Like you didn't realize that you were klutzy until I started thinking about it and like, oh man, I kind of am. But I'm also kind of cat-like as well. Like I'll, I'm klutzy, but I'll catch myself so that I don't get super injured. Even this morning, this morning I'm walking and talking with one of the, the spiritual leaders of our church and, and we weren't having a really spiritual conversation, uh, but... Uh, I was walking with Dee, and I'm walking, and I'm not paying attention over here. And, and instead of stepping on the, the nice, firm stage, I, I, I stepped over here, and Jesus saved me. I had, like, the cat-like reflexes, and I just kind of, like, tiptoed, tiptoed down the stairs. And I, I thought, oh, my gosh, I almost did it again. You know, that would not be the first time I have fallen off a stage. Um, so I don't know how we got on that, but... Just to let you guys know, if I ever go down, I'm usually pretty good. Just give me a second, and once you know I'm okay, then you can laugh. Amen? Totally, totally cool. Uh, so we're continuing in our series, Relationship Goals. This is important this week. Fellas, I just want to give just a per public service announcement for all you guys out there. Valentine's Day is this Friday, okay? Friday. Um, I know that you're all prepared. I know you got it all planned out already. I know you've already booked the reservation and, and you've got all the, you've already got the gift and everything. But just in case you haven't done that yet, guys, you should think about today, later on, you should think about doing something. Can I get an amen from the ladies out there? Amen. amen. And ladies, you know what? It'd be all right if you did something as well. Amen. I'm saying, <laughs> don't put it all on me. This is a two-way street here. So we're continuing in our series, Relationship Goals. And last week we talked about it, man. And, you know, you see the hashtag uh, Relationship Goals, which has like 14 million uh, posts uh, that say Relationship Goals. And, and, and don't necessarily search that because there's some things out there that people got Relationship Goals that they, they, they need Jesus. Like, they nasty. Like, you got to be careful there. Like, the Internet is a... It is a crazy place out there, but um, now all of you are going to go look that up. Watch. Uh, but, you know, you see these pictures, and I saw this one picture of this man. He's, like, dangling his wife over, uh, like, a, this dock kind of thing, and underneath it, it's this nice blue water, and there's, like, sharks in the water, and he's holding her, like, this big, strong arm, and it said, hashtag relationship goals. I was like, what the heck is that? Like, what are they talking about? Like, that is the last thing. Like, if I dangled Jessica over shark-infested waters, it would be, like, hashtag divorce papers. It would not be hashtag relationship goals. And so we see all these things at the end 
internet, man, you see the pictures of them cozy, like, out in the middle of the snow, and now it's snowing up north. We don't know that, but, but apparently it's snowing up north, and you see them up north, and they got their coffee mug, and they're outside sitting on a bench, and they're surrounded by snow, and it's just beautiful, and I'm thinking, oh, no, that has never been what I want in my relationship is to be outside in the snow, and, but we see these things, and we think, man, I want that. I want that. I want that love. I want that, you know, whatever that is, I want that feeling. I want that with my my boyfriend, girlfriend, spouse, whatever it is. Man, I want that. But do we really know what that is? Do we really know what love is? Do we really know what real uh, relationship goals should be? And see, we talked about it last week, not to set your goals as low as what we see on Instagram and as low as what we see on social media because there's something way better There's something way better that God has in store for our relationships, whether you're single and ready to mingle or or you've been married for, you know, 50 plus years. God has better for your relationship. God has better for your marriage. God has better for you together. And so this morning we're going to continue that. We don't want what's not real. You know, too often you see those uh, pictures and they're staged and they're edited and they're uh, those photographs or you see even your your favorite TV couples and and we talked about that a little bit last week our favorite TV couples and we realized that those are carefully crafted moments those are carefully staged those are carefully filtered and that's not real and so we want what is real we want what is real what's made to last And so last week we talked about it. What's made to last is a Christ-centered marriage. Not me and you going in the same direction, but us following Christ. Following Christ, a Christ-centered marriage. And we were challenged this week to pray with your spouse. And I hope that all of you at some point, I know it's hard to get into the habit of, of doing that. And so maybe you hit a few bumps this week. It's okay. This next week we can do better. Amen? All right. And so... We, we pray together, and I've heard already I've heard testimonies of, of couples who have, have taken up this challenge, and they're seeing results immediately, immediately. Even for Jessica and I, I know that uh, you guys think that, that we are always perfect, but, but sometimes we, we're not perfect. And, and even in our relationship, we, we've seen this week as we've come together and we've prayed every morning, and, and even through difficulties, and we've had, we've had disagreements this week. Can you believe it? Married couple disagreeing a pastoral married couple we've had some disagreements but it's amazing how how easily those disagreements dissolved into nothing as we as we're praying together as we're allowing Christ to to lead our relationship and be at the forefront of who we want to be it's amazing how much easier that becomes and so this week we're going to continue on and today we're going to be ta- we're going to talk about being not only Christ centered but we're going to talk about being mission driven that sounds pretty cool huh We want to talk about being mission-driven. I'm going to warn you that this message is not easy. In fact, every single one of these messages is something that we're going to have to work on. It takes some work to apply, but as with anything, hard work produces good results. When when something, if anything, and I remember my dad always telling me that anything worth having is, is going to cost you something. It's going to cost you hard work. And so that's the same thing in our relationships. It's the same thing in our marriage. And so we're going to ask the tough questions. It's going to take some work to apply. It's not going to happen overnight. It's going to take doing some things that are outside of your comfort zone. And it's going to take applying yourself in ways that maybe you had not previously. But the end of it is going to be a marriage and a relationship like you've never known. That God intended for your life. And so this morning I want to 
I want to ask a question that really would be asked uh, kind of if, you, if we were doing couples counseling. And, and I've heard this asked uh, of people before, but when, when they're dating and everything. And, and you ask the question, why should you get married? Why should you marry? Why should you marry each other? Like, why is this something that is important? Why, why get married at all? I mean, you don't have to, and you see that a lot uh, in, in today's uh, society, a lot more even uh, more prevalent than ever is this cohabitation where we're not going to get married for, for you know, years and years and years. We're just going to kind of cohabitate. And you see, he, you see and hear all of these uh, different reasons when you ask somebody, why should you get married? Well, I've heard a lot of answers. One uh, answer that, that people use is to avoid loneliness. I just don't want to be lonely. I don't want to be left by myself. I want to have somebody with me at the end of the day. I don't care if I like them or not. I just want somebody there. A warm body is fine with me. It's expected. It's just kind of expected that that's what you do. Uh, I've heard other answers that says, well, my mom wants grandkids, so i got to get married in order to make that happen. You've heard, uh, I've heard other answers that says, well, um, you know, guys say, well, I've been with her long enough. You know, might as well make an honest woman of her. Nobody in here has ever said that, I hope and pray. But, but you hear these kind of crazy answers. Or uh, for some people, it's like, well, I just, it, it helps me on my taxes. It's a tax break. You know, we can do this, you know, we can uh, do this separate or we can get a tax break if we're, if we're married and, and I don't have to be taxed. And for some people, quite honestly, it's just uh, the physical of avoidance of, of, of sin. And it's like, hey, uh, we, we, we kind of want to do things and we can't do things outside of the, the, the bonds of marriage. And so um, we're just going to go ahead and get married so we can do the things and God will bless it. You know what I'm saying? Grin, grin, wink, wink, say no more. You know, we got kids in the audience. We can all, you know, adults, we can agree. There's things that, uh, you know, they just want to avoid sin. They just want to uh, get to the physical. And, and let me just tell you that that rarely ever works out when that is your motivation. And for other people, they just say, you know what? I just want to be happy. I just want to be happy. I, that, that's, you know what? I just, I want to get married so I can be happy. But none of these are good reasons. And all of them create a foundation for your marriage. And one of the most dangerous ones is that last one, the, the idea that, that happiness, uh, the foundation of a godly marriage is going to be happiness. It isn't. The foundation of a godly marriage is not happiness, it's unity. The foundation of a godly marriage is not happiness, it's unity. Happiness can be a byproduct of a unified marriage, but it's not the foundation. See, God didn't call you to your spouse. God didn't call you to come together so that you could be happy. He called you to be unified, and out of that unity then comes happiness. See, Jessica and I, we're, we're much more happy when we are unified, when we are on the same page, when we are uh, together on things, when, and when we're not arguing. Amen. At the foundation, we want to be Christ-centered and mission-driven. What does that mean? Well, if you turn with me in your Bibles to Genesis, the first chapter, we're going to go right to the beginning, first couple. First marriage, the original, if you will. Genesis, the first chapter. I'll give you just a second to, to turn your Bibles or to go on your Bible app or smartphone, whatever you have there. I'll right, take a sip of water. Genesis, the first chapter, verse 27 and 28. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Verse 28, God blessed them, and he said to them, okay, go do whatever you want to do. 
you go your way, you go your way, and, uh, you know, hopefully it's all good. No, he didn't say that. He said, he said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. What God was saying, the first thing that he did for Adam and Eve was he gave them a mission. He said, here's your mission, should you choose to accept it. He gave them a mission. He said he blesses them, and then immediately he gives them a purpose. He gives them a mission. He says, multiply, expand, conquer, create. Here is your mission. Here is your purpose. Here is what I'm giving you. You are not to just exist. You are not to just go and find your own paths. You're not to just go and uh, you go and you ta- start taking art classes and you get uh, really involved heavily in your work, and, and then we'll just see how this thing ends up. He doesn't give them separate missions. He doesn't tell them secretly, okay, Adam, I want you to do this, and Eve, I want you to do that. He gives them a collective mission together. He said, here's your mission. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go and to to multiply, expand. I want you to conquer. I want you to subdue the earth. Notice here that that is the first thing that God says is you have a mission. If we look in Matthew, the 28th chapter, and uh, around verse 19, we see that the last thing that Christ said to us as he is leaving is, you have a mission. We call this uh, passage of scripture the Great Commission. He says, therefore, go to all nations and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. See, he gives us a mission. The first thing that God does is to give Adam and Eve a mission. The last thing that Jesus Christ does is he gives us a mission. He gives us this purpose for being here and what we're to do, going and making disciples. And so when you ask the question, why should we get married? It's because we can do this mission. We can accomplish this better together. See, if I'm doing this life, if I'm running this race, if I'm, if I'm accomplishing and wanting to accomplish my mission, all of a sudden I have a partner and a spouse that comes along with me and all of a sudden they have gifts and strengths that I don't have and, and, and I have things that they don't have and so we decide we look at each other, hey, we could do this better together than we could apart. I can accomplish so much more together than, than we can apart and so we decide to, to be in unity to come together and to accomplish this mission that Christ has given us. We need each other to do it. If we look in Genesis the second chapter and we spoke about this verse last week verse 24 we see this idea of unity right from the beginning. Now we've already seen that God has, has put Adam and Eve together and, and he's given them this mission And now we see this unifying scripture where he says in verse 24, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. And the two are united into one. Christ-centered and mission-driven. See, it starts at the wedding, but then as we go through life, it takes work for us to remain unified. Why? But Because what God seeks to unite, the devil schemes to divide. Listen to me. What God wants to unite, anything that God unites, the devil always wants to divide. And so it takes this work on our part to remain unified with our spouse, to remain unified in our marriage. It becomes important for us to remain in this state of of unity because what God seeks to unite, the devil schemes to divide. We see this from the very beginning. Adam and Eve in in the, the second chapter of Acts, they're happy Man, they're happy, they're carefree, they're they're blessed, they're fulfilled, they're walking around, they're naked and unafraid, amen? 
They're just, they're just loving life, man. They're just picking from the trees and talking to the animals and, and everything's good. They can understand what their dog is telling them, which is, would be really helpful right now. I'm always wondering what my dog is thinking and I never know. But they're blessed. They're in unity, man, that everything's good, everything's great. But then immediately we see the enemy come in and the serpent come in and he immediately wants to disrupt their relationship with God. He immediately wants to distract them from their mission. Immediately he wants to destroy their unity. Jesus talked about this in John 10, 10, that the, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy he comes to destroy what God has united, what he's united into one. The enemy seeks to divide. And this is the first thing that he does is to cause division. We see immediately here we're in, in chapter 2 in Genesis. And God has said that they have come together and become united into one. And then immediately as we flip to chapter 3, the enemy starts his work. The enemy goes in and we see the serpent comes in and he, he slides into... Uh, he slides into Eve's DMs right there, and he's, he's like, hey, hey, how are you doing? Hey, why don't you come over here with me for a second? And he's got that, you know, he extends that S a little bit because that's how serpents talk in my mind. <laughs> that's what I learned in preschool. Um, you got to be real careful right there. Uh, and I'm going to drop the bass on that a little bit. Um, Genesis chapter 3, it's immediate. It's the serpent takes Eve aside. He, he seeks to separate her. He gets her alone. And he says, you know what? Did God really say that? Do you think that he really meant what he said? You know, here's what I think. I think that you have your own mind, Eve. I think that you have your own purpose. I think that you have your own ideas. I think that you're, you're an independent woman. You don't need to be uh, united with God. You don't need to be united with Adam. In fact, you know better. You probably know better what needs to happen than, than either of those two men, right? No amens on that. Probably wise. I'll probably catch flack later. But he, he pulls her aside and he begins to feed her. Do you really think? And he asks these questions. He puts this doubt in her mind. And so inevitably what happens is Eve, uh, of course, takes this bite of the apple. And then realizing that or we, the fruit, we don't know that we just assume it's an apple. But uh, she takes this bite of this forbidden fruit. And then all of a sudden she wants to be unified again. Oh, no, I've made a mistake. I want to draw somebody else in with me. And she brings Adam into it. And, of course, Adam, man, he, he, he didn't last very long. It was like, you want, you want to bite this fruit? Yeah, sure. You know, I just, it didn't even take any hardly in convincing anything. And Adam, he, he takes a bite. And then now Adam is separated from God. See, once again, what, the, what God has unified, unified with each other, unified with him, now the enemy has sought to divine. And so he's created, and so now sin enters, and suddenly they realize that they're naked. This isn't me, this is the Bible. They realize they're naked, and all of a sudden they feel shame. They feel this shame. What they're feeling is this 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 pulling away from God and this pulling away from their purpose, this pulling away from their mission, this pulling away from what God's plan was for their life. And so now all of a sudden God comes in and, and he's questioning them and, and, and Adam blames God and Eve blames the serpent and the serpent didn't have a leg to stand on. It just took a little bit, <laughs> you know. Hashtag dad jokes, you know. I've been waiting on that one. I just wanted to let that land right there. You guys are going to write that down later. 
what God united, the devil in an instant, he divided. And we obviously see the repercussions of what happened. We, we, we see what has transformed since then. That bit of division, that momentary dividing of the two caused sin to enter the world. Amos 3.3 says this, can two people walk together without agreeing on the direction? Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes me and Jessica will, will go out and we'll take uh, walks. We'll take walks around the neighborhood. And, and it's really hard to walk with somebody. It's really hard to go anywhere. It's really hard to have this time together if neither of you has an understanding of the direction that the other person wants to go. We have to be united in our direction. It's impossible. We can't get to the same place without agreeing on a direction. And, and two people can't walk together without agreeing on a direction. It's hard to accomplish. It's hard to accomplish in our families uh, walking together. It's hard to accomplish uh, financial goals without being on the same page, without having a united vision, without having a united uh, front. It's hard to raise kids. It's hard to raise kids when one parent and one spouse wants to raise them this way and the other one wants to raise them that way. It's hard to, to go to church. It's hard to serve. It's hard to do things when we don't have a united vision, when we don't have an agreed upon direction that this is how we are going to live our life. One of the things that we know in our household from the beginning, from the, the day we got married is we go to church. We have a united, that's never a question. If I was not the pastor tomorrow, if tomorrow I was made not the pastor, next Sunday I will be in church somewhere. I can promise you that. That's not even a question. We have an agreed upon direction, Jessica and I. We have an agreed upon direction in our finances. It's not a question of are we or aren't we going to tithe. We have an agreed upon vision and direction for our life. We are going to tithe. I'm not surprised if she writes a check. She's not surprised if I write a check. We've agreed upon a lifestyle of generosity that whenever she decides in her heart that, that God's placed on her to be generous to somebody, I don't question it. When, I've, when God's placed on my heart to be generous to somebody, we write a check. Neither one of us is mad at the other one because we have an agreed upon direction in our life that we are going to be generous I want to ask you this morning, as, as you uh, are thinking about this with your spouse and even later on, I want you to ask this question of your spouse and of your relationship. Are we moving together? Are what we doing? Are we moving together in the same direction? Do we have a vision for our family? Do we have a vision for our marriage? Are we moving together? And see, this doesn't matter what age you are. So many times we want to look at sermons and messages like this and we say, oh, that's for the young kids. I've been married 50 years and, and so I've got it all figured out. Um, don't believe that lie. Listen, people get divorced after 50. I promise you I've seen it. See, it takes work to continue to move together in unity. It takes vision. It takes godly vision to move together in unity. And God has new things for your life. See, when we look at the word Division. What is division? Well, it's two visions. It's having two separate division, separate visions. How can we please God with two different, two different visions? How can we be united as one with two different visions? Proverbs, Solomon said it this way in Proverbs 29, 18. He said, where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Another word for perish, die. Where there is no vision for your marriage, your marriage will. Where there is no vision for your family, your family will. 
See, it is so crucial, it is so important that we have a united vision, not a division, not two different things, not two different households, not two different, I parent this way and you parent that way, not I want to go to church and, and you can stay home, but we have a united vision. God wants to bring us to a place in our marriage of unity. If I asked you right now, what's your marriage about? What's your marriage about? Uh, well, uh, uh, um, can I buy a vowel? Like, so many people would be, if I think about that seriously, if I came down with a microphone and said, what's your marriage about? Could you tell me? Do you have a vision for your marriage? Could you tell me one of the greatest tragedies in marriage is when two people are together but not united? Two people are together but not united. Man, that is such a problem. I see this so often. I've seen this even throughout my life. I remember seeing this even as a, a young man and, and seeing couples like this. And you, you probably know couples like this or you've seen it and everything. And it seems like they have a marriage that looks more like, like a corporate partnership, like a business structure than it does a relationship, than, than a loving and godly marriage. It looks more like a business where you've got mom as the chief operations officer, Right? She's just kind of, she's making sure all the parts are moving in the right places and mom's got the schedule and she's got the magnets on the refrigerator and she's marking off the calendar. Man, she's making sure everything operates smoothly, amen? That's what, that's what mom does. She makes sure that the kids get here and there and they're picked up and they're not left on the side of the road, that they have clothes and she's just the chief operations officer. Dad, he's usually our chief financial officer. He lets mom know how much she can spend. Sometimes she lets him know how much she spent. Depending on the relationship, she just turns in the receipts. It happens. Or you just find out you know, later online on your credit card statement. And I'm going to stop right there. Um, <laughs> Dad, the chief financial officer, he just is, he's... He's writing checks, man. He's making sure that we can pay the bills. He's making sure the mortgage. He's making sure the car. He's making sure all these things. He's work, 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 work. He's making sure it's, it's, all, it's all funded. Everything's funded. And then we have our employees. We have those little uh, four foot to five foot tall employees that run around, right? They, uh, they take out our garbage for us and they get, uh, they get the remote control. I tell my son all the time, that is why you exist, son, is because I needed somebody to go grab the remote control from me for me when I'm on the couch and I don't want to. <laughs> He's going to need so much therapy. I'm so sorry. Uh, but, you know, they take out the garbage. They mow the lawn. And let me tell you, what a great joy it is when your son finally can mow the lawn. Like, that is a great moment in life, right? If you haven't got there yet, just trust me, man. When they get to that point, you really, something's, something good is happening. But too many families look like they just come together for this corporate strategy. It's a tragedy when marriages look like a business and, and less like a marriage, yet yeah, less unified. When families, they, don't, they look like separate pieces. Yeah, they kind of work together. They, kinda, they, don't, they don't step on each other's toes. They know what not to say to, to start any problems. They know how to maneuver within the corporate structure. And they know who's the boss and who's not and what time who's the boss and, and all of those things. But it doesn't look anything like a godly, Christ-centered, mission-driven marriage. And see, that's what the enemy would want to create in your life. He would want to create something that seems like 
what it should be, but in reality is so far from what God intended for your life. See, a division between what God intended for your life and what you see in the reality of your every day, together but not united. Together but not united. As we look at different Bible couples and, and some of the greatest, man, there's some, some great biblical uh, couples that we can draw from and look at. And, and one of my favorites, um, it's not really one that's super famous. And, and if, we look, if we're looking at this idea of hashtag relationship goals, certainly uh, Adam and Eve do not fit the bill in this situation. They have, they have messed up. So we're going to take Adam and Eve out of this equation. Uh, but it's not even like Jacob and Rachel who are really good and, and Ruth and Boaz or, or even Mary and Joseph. Man, you want to talk about united with a common mission and, and being loving and understanding. Mary and Joseph, man, they, they really had to work together. But, but even even, even them, or, or certainly not Solomon and, and his thousand wives, or, or 700 wives and, and 300 concubines, you know, can you imagine Valentine's Day, you know, just Solomon's like, try to, I don't even, I gotta ask Jared, because I can't figure this out, you know, like so many, so many problems there, um, but no, one of my favorite couples, they're mentioned only six times throughout the book of Acts and then into Romans. But one was never mentioned without the other. It was always like, you know, those couples where you, you say one, but you, you really say both of their names together. They're, they're, just, they're just one couple. It's kind of like my, my, my kids. They never call my, my parents by either Nana or Papa. They always say Nana Papa. Like that, it just becomes one uh, homogenous name there for them. And that's how this couple is in, in uh, they're always together. And we, we want to look at what made them strong. What, what made them strong was being Christ-centered and mission-driven. And as we see in Romans, the 16th chapter, verse 3, Paul is in the final chapter of Romans. He's, he's given his final uh, greetings here in, in the book of Romans. And he says this in verse 3. He says, give my greetings to Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in the ministry of Christ Jesus. In fact, they once risked their lives for me. I am thankful to them, and so are all the Gentile churches. Also give my greetings to the church that meets in their home. Priscilla and Aquila, we see them in the book of Acts throughout different times. Priscilla and Aquila, Priscilla and Aquila, Priscilla and Aquila. They're never mentioned. They're always in unity. They're always mentioned together. And what we see, what made them strong was being Christ-centered, yes, but also being mission-driven. They supported Paul's ministry. They risked their lives together. They led a small group. They, they had a church in their home. They, they had a small group, Paul said. They were Christ-centered and mission-driven. Charles Spurgeon, uh, when referencing Priscilla and Aquila, said this. He said, when two loving hearts pull together, they accomplish wonders. When two loving hearts pull together, they accomplish wonders. What different associations cluster around, around the names of Priscilla and Aquila? From those which are awakened by the words Ananias and Sapphira. There we have a husband and wife conspiring in hypocrisy. And here a wife and a husband united in sincere devotion. Now, for those of you that don't know about Anaris and Sapphira, they, uh, they got in trouble because they stole some stuff. Peter questioned them. One lied. The other one didn't know that the other person lied. He died, and then Peter questioned the other one. She lied, too, and then she dropped over dead. So um, don't lie. It's bad. Um, but here we have the wife, cons the wife and husband conspiring in hypocrisy, but here we have 
them united in sincere devotion. And if you put that together, united in sincere, sincere devotion, they're united in their purpose, they're united in their mission, and they're able to accomplish wonders. What he was saying is they're able to accomplish things that they never thought possible, things that we never thought we could. We can lead a small group because we are united together. We are better together. We can do this together. See, God wants you to be united in your purpose, united in your mission, because he knows that together you can accomplish wonders. You can accomplish so much more than you could as a single person. Now, for those of you who are single in the audience, my, my single and ready to mingles, you're, you're, I know you've been waiting a long time, some of you, but it's all right. If you're wondering how this applies, how did this apply to me? If you're not married, if you're waiting on your Mr. Right, your Mrs. Right. Well, last week we kind of talked about it, and it's really the same thing this week. If you, if you want a God-glorifying, mission-driven marriage in your future, then live a God-glorifying, mission-driven life today. Let me repeat that. If you want a God-glorifying, mission-driven marriage in your future, if that's what you want in your future, then live a God-glorifying, mission-driven life today. You cannot live whichever way you want to now and then expect that later you're going to get cleaned up and you're going to clean up your act and God's going to send you that person that's going to be that perfect person. I heard a story, actually heard a pastor tell this story a while back about a young lady who uh, was born and raised in church and good Christian girl and man, she, she went off to college and, uh, and immediately she got involved in, uh, with some friends. She got involved in a, a sorority. And she got involved in all the trappings of the sorority. And she went to the sorority parties and the, the fraternity parties. And, of course, there was uh, any number of, uh, you know, drugs and alcohol. And, and she began to, because of peer pressure, she began to partake. And, and the next thing you know, she, she got involved in, uh, you know, being promiscuous. And, and just the trappings that are involved with peer pressure and, and some of these things. Well, somehow in, in the course of her uh, college career... She meets this guy, and man, he is the guy. You know what I'm saying, ladies? It's, it's kind of like how my wife, when she met me and she looked at me, it was just like, boom, just like the stars and hearts and everything. Like, it just, <sighs> That's how I imagine it in my brain. <laughs> and he's the guy. He's the one. And man, he smiles, and just that sparkle is in his smile. And he's one of and she goes back home and she tells her mom all about this wonderful guy. And, and mom, he is a Christian and he's everything that I ever prayed for. He's everything that I've ever wanted for. And, and the mom looks at her and, and, and she just says, a guy like that, a guy like that is not looking for a girl like you. And it broke the young lady's heart. Because see, a guy like that was... He was looking for something different. He was looking for the Christian girl. He was looking for the girl that comes alongside of him and makes him better. That they could be mission driven. They could be better together. Andy Stanley said it this way. Become the person you are looking for is become the person you are looking for is looking for. Does that make sense? I think so. I get tripped up there. Become the person who you are looking that who you are looking for is looking for. In other words, be the person if be the person that they are looking for. The person that, that you're looking for, you be the person that they are looking for. 
live that lifestyle today. You can't build a life of righteousness in the future on a foundation of sin today. What does that look like, single people? That means that what you're doing is you're living a mission-driven, purpose-driven life. You're living a life that, that's focused on Jesus Christ, and you're running, you're focused on Jesus Christ, and then every, every once in a while, you just kind of peek, you know? Like every once in a while, you're, you're focused on Jesus. You're looking at Jesus. You're focused on his purpose, your mission, and what he's called you to do, and then every once in a while, you just kind of peek, all right? Every once in a while, you kind of look, look to the side. You look at who's around you. You see if there's anybody there. See, here's where I would get in problems. You know, we get problems sometimes in our life because we, we look and we see somebody over there and they're like, oh, hey, how you doing? You know, and we get off track. But what we want to look for is somebody who is running right along. And we, we peek and say, oh, oh, wow, you're running right alongside of me. Oh, wow, that's amazing. And, and, and I'm running here and I'm focused on Jesus and you're right here and you're focused on Jesus. Hey, what if we, what if all of a sudden we decided to join forces? What if all of a sudden we, we realize that we realize that we're both focused on Christ, we're both mission-driven, we both want the same things, and so now we can accomplish more together. See, I could never understand the concept of this until I met my wife, and then I realized is, as we began ministry together, as we began serving and volunteering in our, our first church together, man, we could accomplish so much more together. I never dreamed of serving in children's ministry until I met my wife. And then I realized that, man, she is so awesome at things and, and I can accomplish so much more with, with being with her. There was, there was things that I couldn't do on my own, but man, as we're on this thing together, as we're unified together, we can accomplish so much more. What is your mission? What is your mission? As a couple, do you have a mission? For some of you, you look at me, well, I just want to, I just want to take care of our, our mission is to make sure that our kids grow up and they're not serial killers. I support you in that mission, you know. But but our kids are not our mission. See, if you're not careful, that's where the enemy will will start to deceive you, and you'll think, oh, well, everything is about the baby. Oh, everything's about the baby. We gotta make sure the baby is okay. The greatest thing you can do for the baby is to make sure that that mom and dad are together, they, they're unified. See, and if we're not careful, the mission will be deceived into the wrong mission, deceiving ourselves and thinking, well, you know what? We got to have balance. We got to have balance in our lives. We can't do too much church. Our kids, we don't want our kids to grow up and, and hate church. And so we're, we're not going to go to every service. We're not going to make them go every time the doors are open. See, what you, what you don't prioritize now your kids won't prioritize it at all later. Let me promise you that. See, what you place an emphasis, I never understood it at the time, and I hated it. I railed against it, man. Every time the church doors were open, every time the church doors were open, man, we were there. One reason is my dad was the pastor, so he had to unlock the door. So, you know. But regardless, man, even we went on vacation, on vacation, my dad would say, you don't take a vacation from Jesus. We're going to church. And we would find a local church wherever we were, and we would go to church on vacation because it was about more. It was about prioritizing. My dad was teaching us and showing us that nothing comes before. I got so mad when my dad wouldn't let me go play t-ball or wouldn't let me go play baseball uh, at times when the church doors were open. He'd say, no, 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 no. We go to church first. Because, see, it becomes so easy to start skipping church to start skipping out on things of God for, for things of the world. See, pretty soon your kids begin to emulate that. 
Because we don't have a focused mission. We don't have a united front. We don't have a, a, a parent and a, a vision for our children. We become, we become too focused that our mission is on our kids. If you want to raise godly kids who are mission-focused, show them a mission-driven marriage. See, this is where it begins to take work. This is where it takes a whole lot of work, but it's worth it. What is your mission? Where are you serving together? What are you doing together for him? What are you doing together for Jesus? Are you serving in the church? Is that your mission? Well, yes, in part, but maybe God has called you to do even more than that. Maybe God has called you, and your mission goes beyond the bounds of the church. You have a mission that extends to people that you know uh, that, that are parents at the ball field and parents at the, the ice, the hockey rink and, and the soccer field and the, the, uh, the football field. You, you have a mission beyond at work where God has called you. So you have a united mission in your marriage. Two things that unite us. One a common enemy, and two, a common mission. See, the things that unite, if you're wondering, like, what is our mission? What is going to be our mission as a couple? Well, two things unite us, common enemy or common mission. And either one can unite us. You think about it. You think about, you know, people at work that, uh, you know, maybe got on your nerves or something like that, and then all of a sudden, like, you know, you have, like, sometimes you have multiple people at work that get on your nerves. Anybody else like that? No? Um, and, and so, and you got this one girl that maybe she gets on your nerves and, or a guy that gets on your nerves and then this other person that gets on your nerves. But then you're in the break room and then you find out that this person doesn't like that person either. And now all of a sudden you're best friends, right? Like, oh, you don't like her either? Yeah, let me tell you about that girl right there. And all of a sudden you become, because, uh, you know, you're united in your dislike of that person. You're united in a common hatred. See, I find that, that I become united uh, with at different times. See, I'll, I'll become united with different uh, football franchise fans because if they, like, if they hate the Giants and the Philadelphia Eagles as much I, as I hate the Giants and the Philadelphia Eagles, then we can get along together, amen? Oh, man, I just stepped on some toes there. Zoinks. Uh, <laughs> Two things unite, a common enemy and a common mission. What do you both love and what do you both hate? What do you both love? Man, maybe both of you, you love kids, man. You just have a passion for kids. Maybe you, uh, you might not have been able to have your own kids and you just have a heart for, for children. You love them. Well, get involved in our kids' ministry. Listen, our kids' ministry, let me tell you, this is kind of a, a little bit of a plug. I didn't plan on going. It is growing by leaps and bounds, and we really have lots of opportunity and, and really a need. I, I try not to say that, that we have needs in those areas, but listen, if you at all have a love for kids and a passion for seeing kids, uh, raised up in a godly and Christian environment and teaching them uh, the ways of the word, then man, we need you. We have all sorts of need because our kids' ministry is growing and thriving and God's doing amazing things in our kids' ministry. And so if you're that person, if you love that, then you can serve and your purpose can be in kids' ministry. Maybe you hate the fact that uh, you, you love kids' ministry and, or you love kids so you serve here in kids' ministry, but you hate the fact that there are kids who don't have a home and a family outside of church. And so maybe you, you love this and you serve here in, in that church, but you, you hate that there are kids that don't have a home and a family, and so your family decides we want to foster. 
See, you can be united in your purpose. You can be united in, in your vision based on what you love and, and what you hate. Yeah, I hate kids who don't have a family, so we're going to foster. Maybe you love being financially free. Maybe you love being generous and you hate debt. And so you and your wife, you decide, you know what, we're going to lead a small group. We're going to lead financial peace. We're going to help other couples get financially free. And we're going to help them get out of debt because we know the bondage that debt creates. And we know the, uh, the freedom that you can have from not owing anybody. And it's scriptural and it's biblical. And we're going to show other people how to be generous. I was at a uh, conference this past week. A, a church planting conference, we, we went over to be with him, and, and the, the speaker got up, and he just began to share his heart, and it was amazing, and it spoke really to what I knew I was going to be talking about this week, and it's just so amazing how God does these things, and uh, it's amazing how God will unify, and he'll bring about unity through pain and tribulation and trials at times. And this pastor got up and he talked about the, the pain and the tribulation. He pastors a, a huge church in the, the Maryland, uh, Baltimore area. And uh, he talked about how at one point his wife, in his ministry, he thought that his marriage was destined for divorce. His wife had become an alcoholic because of all the pressure and, and him being gone all the time in ministry. And he was, he was doing ministry, man. He was, he was doing his thing. He was preaching. He was pastoring. He was leading a growing, thriving church. He was in demand. People were calling him to go speak all over the country. See, he had a vision. He had a vision for his, his life. He had a vision for his ministry, but he didn't have a vision for his marriage. See, meanwhile, he had left his wife behind, and in the aftermath of leaving her behind, she felt abandoned and alone, and she began to drink. First, a, a, a little wine at dinner, and then next, you know, she was drinking into the evening until it evolved into just straight uh, replacing uh, her water bottles with vodka. And it devolved into this, this state, and through the course of God's grace and ministers coming around them, and, and there was a point in which he thought for sure that they were going to divorce. And to make a very long story very short, God completely restored and healed and brought their marriage back together. And through uh, going to counseling and through getting back to the root of, of what God had and, and getting a vision and realizing the vision that he had for their marriage was more important than what he had individually for their ministry. By coming back together, their marriage became stronger than ever. It became what, what God had intended all along. And in that... See, he's decided now that birthed out of that pain and out of the, the hate for, for having that happen and, and, and what the destruction potentially was for their life, now he, is, he loves going and counseling and praying for couples and helping couples find freedom in their marriage and get back to a place of unity and, and ministry. And he loves helping pastors come back to, to that place in their marriage of health and that place of a united vision. See, what is it that you love? What is it that you hate? See, God has called us to come together as the musicians come. God has called us to come together. The church needs mission-driven couples. The church needs mission-driven couples. We need you. Listen, to go where God has called us to go, we need, we need couples who have a vision and a purpose who know what God's called them to do and say, you know what? We have a vision and we are gonna, we are gonna see this through. We are gonna be Christ-centered, not just in church, but outside of church. See, in unity doesn't mean that you're just the same. 
Unity means that you are together. You are united. See, it might mean that your wife might have a vision and, and, a, and something that God has placed on her heart. And I love my wife so much that she, she's so good at this. When God places a vision on my heart, man, she is always right there supporting. She is always right there behind me. She is always right there. And sometimes, husband, it might mean listening to your wife where she says, you know what, I have a vision, I have a love, I have a passion, I want to do this. And you say, you know what, I'm going to do it with you. I'm going to support you, whatever that means. If it means that I'm going I'm to use our resources, that means that, that we're going to decide that we're going to give together for this ministry, and that we're gonna, or it means my time, if I'm going to give my time, it means supporting each other in this vision and doing it together. It doesn't mean that we have to have the same talents. It doesn't mean that we have to have the same things always. But it means that we are in it together. See, God has a vision for your marriage to be unified, to be Christ-centered to be mission driven. Are you driven by problems? Or are you driven by purpose? Are we focused on what we want? Or are we focused on what God wants? Are we pursuing our own desires? Or pursuing his destiny? It's not easy. It's gonna take some time. It's gonna take effort. See, when God, when you come together with a unified vision, it makes all the difference. See, you can accomplish wonders like Priscilla and Aquila. You can accomplish so much more than you ever thought possible. And pretty soon, you'll see people saved in your small group. And you thought, I could never, I could never lead somebody to Christ. Next thing you know, people are coming and they're asking you questions at work. They're wanting to know about your church. They want to know why you and your wife are so happy. They want to know how it is that, that you, you don't look so frustrated like they do in their marriage. See, we're unified. As I typed out this, my notes, and I was typing this sermon, something funny began to happen. I kept missing, you know, a lot of times where I would type the word and the word united. And I kept typing it out, but, you know, my fingers and, you know, I kept hitting the wrong keys and things like that. And I kept typing the word untied. And having to go back and fix it because I knew that if I saw it in my notes, I was going to say the word untied. God desires for you to be untied. It's going to be weird. And so as I kept going back and, and fixing this, I kept realizing something funny. See, I was, I was trying to type united, but I kept putting the I in the wrong place. See, and it was interesting. See, in our lives... When we put the eye in the wrong place, we become untied. See, what God wants to unite, sometimes we, we put our eye in the wrong place. I put me in the wrong place. I put me in the, the place of being first. I put my goals, my vision, my, my direction in the wrong place. See, when, when the eye is in the right place, we're united. We're together. When the eye is, is Christ-centered, when the eye is mission-driven, we're united. See, when I, put the, when I put the eye in the wrong place, I become untied. I come apart from what God has. Too many marriages have come untied. We live together, we pay bills, we shuffle schedules, but we're not united. We coexist, we, we get along. 
God didn't call you to get married just to get along. God said, you have a mission. Should you choose to accept it? And your mission with your partner, you are better together. They make you better and you make them better. That's what a marriage is. Christ-centered, mission-driven. God's perfect marriage involves unity. Same mission, same purpose. How many are willing to admit this morning? Maybe you've put the eye in the wrong place in your marriage. Maybe you've put the eye in the wrong place as an individual. Maybe, maybe you've put the eye uh, before God and, and God's saying, no, 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 I wanna, be unity. I wanna be in unity with you. I wanna be unified with you. And you said, no, God, I'm gonna do my own thing. I, I need to work on me for right now. And it hasn't really worked out all that well for you. It's time to put the eye back in the right place. I wanna pray for you this morning and as we do, See, I believe God wants to put the eye back in the right place of the marriages in this house this morning and those relationships this morning. I, want to, I believe God wants to do a miraculous work for a church that's gonna be Christ-centered and mission-driven. And, and I just believe that as, as that happens, and, and, and I encourage you this morning that if you and your wife, if you've been talking about this for a while and you haven't acted on it, this morning, is your, I, I pray that you would, after this service, I pray that you would sprint to the foyer and go right up to our connector and say, hey, we wanna get involved. We wanna start serving. We wanna be mission-driven. We wanna get involved in outreach. We wanna get involved in kids ministry. We wanna get involved in youth ministry. We wanna get involved. We wanna be mission driven. We wanna have a purpose. I pray that for you this morning, but this morning, if you are here and maybe even as a couple, as an individual, you put the eye in the wrong place. Maybe you've never, you've never experienced this before and you're wondering, what is this all about? Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ wants to be the center of your life. He wants to partner with you. He wants to be united with you. And for those of you, maybe you've never prayed that prayer before, I wanna give you an opportunity. Say, you know what, I've been doing it my way. I've been living the I life a long time and it hasn't really worked out. I'm ready to try this thing a new way. I'm ready to try something different. I'm ready to, to do something radical and shift, shift the I of my life. Because what I'm doing is no longer working. See, it's so simple. This morning, Paul said that if you would believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that you can be saved. See, that he will prioritize your life. See, and like the song says, he'll take what the enemy meant for evil and he'll use it for good. He'll give you mourning or he'll, he'll take your mourning and turn it into joy. It won't always be easy, but you always have strength to get through what he he helps you to get through this morning. I want to pray for you. And as we pray that prayer, couples, I encourage you, take the hand of your spouse. See, it begins now. Take the hand of your spouse. We're going to do this as an exercise, as a demonstration, to get used to it, to, to put ourselves in a place of strength and unity. Take the hand of your spouse. Pray together. What is your vision? What is our vision? What is our purpose? We want to be mission-driven. It's up to you this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I, 
God, I thank you. Lord, I feel your presence in this place this morning. I feel your power, your spirit. Lord, your anointing. God, and what you want to do in this place and in this house. God, I believe that there are power couples in this place right now. There are people that, Lord, you have called, that you have given them a mission. Lord, that you have given them a vision. And God, they haven't acted on it. And Lord, I pray that right now would be the moment, God, that they would come into alignment with you, that they would move the eye of their life. Lord, that they would become united in mission, God. Lord, that they have no clue what it is that you want to accomplish. Lord, I believe, Lord, I believe there is ministry in this house this morning. God, there are those that you have sent to this place that they are not involved, but God, you are, you are speaking to their heart. God, if they were to get involved, there is no telling what would happen in this church and in this community. God, that you could do awesome wonders through their relationship. God, I am praying for marriages this morning, God, that we would become united in our vision, united in our purpose. God, that you would restore us this morning. Draw us back together to that one that you've given us. That, Lord, that that is that gift that you have given us. What the enemy sought to, to divide, Lord God, I pray that you would bring it back together, united into one, Lord God, in Christ Jesus. Lord, for that one, maybe they've never accepted your son, Jesus. God, I pray that right now, that out of their heart, they would just simply say, Lord, I need a change. God, I need something new. I, I've been doing it my way. God, I want to try your way. I accept your son, Jesus Christ, as my Lord and Savior. I accept that he came to this earth, lived a sinless life, and died on a cross. He rose again, and one day he is coming back for me. And In the meantime, God, I want to live my life for him. God, I just speak blessings right now over every single person in this place. Bring us together in unity with you, Lord. God, bring us together for the mission of your gospel and for your kingdom. And God, I pray you would bring us together for the, the mission of the city of Winter Garden, God, and beyond, Lord. Give us a mission and a heart for the people, Lord, that need to hear your word and to hear your, your love, your gospel, your ministry preached in this place and beyond and in this world. And God, we are careful to give you all praise all glory and all honor for what you are doing in this place and all God's children. Just give them a praise and a shout and say amen and amen and amen this morning. God, we worship you.